0: Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Man, I am so glad that you are joining us today, wherever you're at. I think Easter is one of the greatest, come on, it is the greatest Sunday of the year. It's the Super Bowl for the Church of Jesus Christ. It's the day that we remember that Jesus not only died, not only was he buried, but come on, he resurrected. He's alive. And today I believe the Lord has given me a word. I want you to quickly turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 15. If you're part of the VU community, you know that we are in uh, our fourth month now studying this gospel, uh, the gospel of Mark. We started back in January and we will finish it uh, when we get into the month of June. But Mark chapter 15, is where I want to turn your attention. And I want to read the account of Jesus' crucifixion from uh, the perspective, or I should say, uh, from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 15, verse 33. It says, At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloah, Eloah, lama Sabaknia which means my god my god why have you forsaken me now when some of those standing near heard this they said listen he's calling elijah and one man ran filled a sponge with wine vinegar put it on a stick and offered it to jesus to drink now leave him alone let's see if elijah comes to take him down he said with a loud cry jesus breathed his last the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry, saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. I want to take a few moments today. And uh, if you're taking notes, I sure hope that you are. Our research tells us that people who take notes get bigger mansions in heaven. Okay, so if you're taking notes today, I want you to title your notes, the best day ever. Come on, in the chat right now, if you're watching on YouTube, can you just put the best day ever? Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, today we're talking about the best day ever. There you go. There you go. I like the participation. The best day ever. You know, when I think back on my life, there's a lot of great days. I mean, the day that I met Jesus, wow. My life, that's the best day ever in my life. Uh, The day I met Don Cherie, hello, that girl, she stole my attention from the very moment I put my eyes on her. But when I think about after meeting Jesus and after getting married to Dawn and meeting her, the best day for me in my adult life was the day my firstborn son, Wyatt Wesley, was born. I mean, there is just nothing like the first time you bring a child into this earth. And I was just thinking about it the other day because, uh, Man, this was pre-COVID, he was born in 2018. And if you know me, I like to throw parties. I like having people around. And so when my son was gonna be born, I just invited everybody that I knew. In fact, I, I invited Mr. Pierre, who was on the maintenance team at the JDD location. I said, Mr. Pierre, you gotta be there. He came, I mean, it was like 50 people deep up in the hospital. In fact, a- after my wife gave birth, she had a C-section. We were taken back to you know our, our room that we stayed in for the next two or three days. I had food catered in there and people came and were hanging out in the back. The noise got so loud that security was called on us. Okay, you don't know very many people that their hospital birth party got shut down because of a noise ordinance. Yo, I did that right here. I, we did that, okay? That's what I'm talking about. I mean, I love to party. It was the best day ever. But I suppose the reason why it was the best day ever is not just because... Man, I mean, bringing a child into the earth is a miracle. I mean, there's, there's, there's no love like it. It's unexplainable. I mean, the idea that we get to partner with God and help create a soul is the greatest privilege of a lifetime. All of those things matter. But I, I suppose the thing that, that really makes it the best day ever is because that great day, well, it was preceded by a whole lot of hard days, a whole lot of bad days. If you're new to the Voo community, maybe it's your first time at Voo Church. Maybe you're at our Somi location. Today is the first Sunday we've ever opened it up on Easter Sunday. So cool to see it full of people. Maybe you're at Jungle Island. Uh, Maybe you're watching online. But if you're new to our community, my wife and I have been married now for 14 years, just celebrated 19 years of hanging out. Uh, But uh, we went on an eight-year journey of infertility. For eight years, we were unable to conceive a child. And doctors told us most likely it was going to be impossible. And I would never trade our story for anything because what I learned about God and what I learned about myself in that season, uh, nothing, it, it was miraculous what he did in our lives. He taught us so much. But I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that there was a lot of difficult days, a lot of challenging days, a lot of hard days. I don't know. I think in all of those days of wondering and praying and wishing if we were ever gonna have a child, I think just something happens as you wait that long, as you wait eight years, that when you're finally holding your miracle, when you're finally standing in the moment that God has shown up, I don't know about you, but all of that waiting, it tends to create a greater appreciation. You see, it's called the power of contrast, that the best days are often born out of the worst days. can't appreciate the good if you aren't aware of the bad, and it was that eight years of waiting and pain that made that day that my son was born that much better. It's why we shout best day ever because we know about the pain and the struggle and the strife that we went through to get there. Today is Easter Sunday. And today is truly the best day ever. It's the day that we are reminded that Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. In fact, Paul the apostle would say without the resurrection, our faith is futile. Meaning that this day, all of our faith hinges on this day that we are celebrating. Yet I hope you understand today that the best day ever was preceded by some of the worst days ever, that Jesus had to go through the most difficult trial, the most horrendous, awful, tormenting pain in order for us to step into the best day ever. And I just thought before we celebrated the resurrection, that we would take a moment to look back on Mark's account of the worst day ever, which was the day that Jesus died on a cross. The scripture says that at the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now we must remember that the Jewish timetable used 12 hour clocks. Uh, they would have a 12 hour night and 12 hour day. So when it says the sixth hour The sixth hour of day means it's 12 o'clock noon. So so Jesus is up on this cross at high noon, but at high noon, the Bible says that a darkness comes over the land. Now, now this darkness, uh, some say it could have been an eclipse, but because this was Passover season, most likely it was a full moon, so an eclipse is sort of out of the question. Uh, Some think it might've been a sandstorm, but because it's springtime, there was so much dew on the ground, the likelihood of a sandstorm is out of the question really where we land. The reason why darkness overcame the land was because this is the response of God's judgment and wrath. The prophet Isaiah said that darkness will overcome the land when God's judgment comes. And God's judgment was coming that day. And so at high noon, a supernatural phenomenon took place. Darkness covered the land because God's judgment was getting ready to fall upon Jesus say, why was Jesus being judged? Well, Romans chapter six, verse 23, it tells us for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. See, whoever you are today, we're so glad that you're in church. Thank you for tuning in, but you need to know that whoever you are, wherever you come from, every one of us are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Make no mistake about it we have fallen short of God's standard. We've all lied, we've all cheated, we've all stolen, we've all had an impure thought, we've all missed the mark. And the scripture says the wage or the payment for missing the mark is death. So all of us deserve death. All of us deserve God's judgment. But on this day, when Jesus is on this cross, Jesus is taking the place For you and for me and God's judgment is not falling on you and me, it's falling on Jesus. This darkness reminds us of the moment in the Old Testament when Moses has gone to Pharaoh and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. You see, the Israelites were in bondage. They were in slavery for hundreds of years under the Egyptian empire. And God had sent Moses to deliver the people. And when Moses gets to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, Moses says, no, I don't want to. So God begins to send plagues, 10 plagues to be exact. First plague, second plague, third plague. And every time the plague hit the land, Pharaoh got upset, but his heart was still hard. It wasn't until the 10th plague. The 10th plague was known as the angel of death. And when the angel of death came over the land, darkness came with it. And every firstborn was slaughtered and put to death by the angel. However, God made a way. God created a provision. God said, if you will obey me and do what I say, there is a way that you don't have to face the punishment of the angel of death. You can be spared. What was the way you might ask? God said, I want you to take a lamb, slaughter the lamb, take the lamb's blood, paint it over your doorpost. And so when the angel comes in darkness, every house that's been covered in the lamb's blood, that angel will pass over that house. Well, that evening when the angel came, all of the Israelites had lamb's blood over the doorposts. Therefore, it was only the Egyptian homes who did not obey the word of God, who found their families and their livestock, all of the firstborn slaughtered. It was at that moment that Pharaoh said, the people can go, get them out of here. I don't want any more problems with your God. Would you believe that every year after that, Israelites or Jewish people, they have a holiday. It's called Passover. And at Passover, they remember what they think is the best day ever. The day that Egypt let them go free. The day they got their physical freedom. Oh friend, I don't think it's a coincidence today that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of of the world. I don't think it's a coincidence that he's being crucified on Passover. You see, Jesus, as he's on that cross being crucified as Passover, he is the lamb of God. And in the same way that lamb's blood was painted over the doorposts, Now, Jesus Christ's blood is painted over the cross and anybody who would get under the cross, anybody who would put their faith in Jesus, anybody who would put their trust in the Messiah, God is saying, my judgment will pass over you and it will land upon Jesus. He is the lamb of God who has taken our sins. He was punished so that we might be rewarded. Come on, somebody, give God some praise wherever you're at today. This is good news, the best day ever. God is saying, you thought Passover was the best day? You haven't seen anything yet. For when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he wasn't announcing a physical freedom. He was announcing a spiritual freedom, a soul freedom, that my soul, is free and liberated. The scripture says in Mark chapter 15, verse 34, that as darkness covered the earth, it lasted from 12 o'clock noon to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Watch this, verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloah, Eloah, lama sabachthania, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice Jesus does not cry out, my friends, my friends, why have you left me? He doesn't say my head, my head, my, my head hurts. This crown of thorns is too heavy. He, he, he doesn't say my hands, my hands with these nails in my hands, that, that's my feet. He doesn't cry out. Instead, what he cries out, he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me? The very fact that he says, my God, anytime you put the word my in front of a name, it becomes intimate. Like, Ain't nobody here today, can't nobody say my Don Cherie, okay? You say that, you got you, that's fighting words with me, okay? She's my Don Cherie. I'm intimately acquainted with her. It's my Wyatt and my Wild. These are my boys. These are my sons. And, and Jesus, he says, my God. He's showing intimacy, but it's also biblical language. This is covenant talk. This is the prophetic word to Abraham that I will be your God and you will be my And Jesus is on this cross and in this moment of torment, he's saying, My God, my God, why have you turned from me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? You see, today, if someone comes up to me after this service and says, Yo, Rich, I got to be honest with you, bro, you annoy me. Uh, I don't like your white pants for Easter. It's too much, bro. You're too extra. It's too much. This is the last time you hear from me. This is the last time you'll see me. I'm out of here. I'm not going to lie. I'm a sensitive guy, that, that would hurt my feelings. Please, I, I don't want you to do that, that would hurt my feelings. But how many know it would be a whole lot different in contrast if I got off this platform and someone walks up to me from our team and says, hey, just let you know, Don Cherie, uh, she packed her bags and she's left and she's out of here. She doesn't want to see you or hear you ever again. How many know that would hurt a whole lot more? Why? Because the longer the love, the deeper the love. And the deeper the love, the greater the torment of its loss. Please see this moment. Jesus Christ on this cross. This is the first time in the history of all time that this eternal love, coexistent, co-eternal, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and now we are watching Jesus be unmade. Jesus is not long love, but his eternal love, his infinite love with the father. He's being abandoned once and for all. And we are seeing the torment. We are hearing the pain. It's excruciating. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Please understand, this is not a rhetorical question. He's asking out loud. And the answer is, it's because God is putting Our judgment upon Jesus. God is saying, I'm pouring out my wrath upon you, Jesus. You're the atoning sacrifice. And the reason why I'm turning away from you is so I can turn towards humanity. You are saving their life. The reason why Jesus was forsaken is so that you could be forgiven. So that you could be forgiven. So that I could be forgiven. That all of us could be forgiven once and for all. Why was Jesus forsaken? So that we could be forgiven. Oh, friends, I'm trying to tell you about the best day ever. I don't want you to miss it this Easter. It's good to see some of you. We've missed you. Some of you we haven't seen in a couple years. We're glad that you're here. We hope you keep coming back. But if I don't see you again for a year, please hear me. This is the best day ever. You are forgiven. And quickly, Mark begins to break down with two supernatural signs what this forgiveness looks like. I mean, the first thing we see is that the veil was torn. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 through 38. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Isn't it powerful that Jesus' last breath is our first breath? That Jesus' last words become our first words? That the moment Jesus, he exhaled his final time was the moment that you and I found spiritual freedom, that you and I, we finally had our sins forgiven. The scripture says in verse 38 that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, you got to see this. This is important because the, 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 the curtain or, or the veil in the temple, I don't want you to think some piece of silk. I don't want you to think some sheer cloth. Um, the, 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 the veil was more like a wall. And, and the veil that was in the temple, it separated Part of the temple from what we know as the holiest of holies. And, and the holiest of holies is exactly what it sounds like. That is the place that the Shekinah glory of God dwells. It's the presence of God. It's where God's tangible presence dwelt. But please understand, there was only one man who could go into the holiest of holies the veil, the wall, separated the rest of the temple from the Holy of holies. And there was only one man, not any man, the holiest man of all of Israel. He's known as the high priest. And the high priest, the holiest of man, was only allowed to go into the holiest of holies one day out of the entire year, which wasn't any ordinary day. It was the holiest of all days, Yom Kippur. And when he went in on the only day, the holiest of days, he had to bring in a sacrifice with him. He had to bring in shed blood because he was going in there to help cover the sins of Israel, to help cover the transgressions and the mistakes and the failures of the people. And so he had to follow all the protocols. He had to follow all the procedures. He had to do it just right. He had to wear the perfect outfit. Scriptures would tell us that he would put a bell around his ankle and a rope around his ankle because if he was to do one thing wrong, the presence of God would strike him dead because a perfect God can have nothing to do with a sinful man. And so the high priest would make his way into the holiest of holies. And if for some reason he did something wrong, he would be struck dead and he'd have to be pulled out of the holiest of holies. Yet the scripture says that the moment Jesus declared, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when he breathed his last breath, at that moment, the temple curtain was torn from top To bottom, This was a sign from God. The fact that it was torn from top to bottom was an indicator that no man did this, but rather God did this as if God was saying, hey, you can have access to my presence. Hey, access is granted. All are welcome. All can get into the glory of God. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you no longer need some priest to make a way to God. You have the only high priest you need. His name is is Jesus Christ. No longer do you have to shed lamb's blood for the lamb of God. His blood was shed once and for all. And because of it today, we have access into the holiest of holies. The veil was torn once and for all. And immediately Mark lets us see the very first person to walk into the holiest of holies. The very first person to enter in through that torn veil. It is the centurion. Mark 15 verse 39 It says, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Those of you that have been on our journey, we've been studying the gospel of Mark. And as I keep saying, come June, we're going to get to the end today. We're, we're fast forwarding to the end because it's Easter But what's important about this moment, we are 15 chapters into Mark. And would you believe this is the very first time any human being has confessed out loud in belief that Jesus isn't just the Messiah, but rather he is God. And who confessed it? Was it one of his disciples? Was it a Pharisee? Was it somebody who knew the Jewish tradition? No, it was a pagan Roman soldier. It was a centurion. What a fascinating concept. In fact, Romans in that time period, they were pagan. They believed in multiple gods. In fact, really the only divine being they believed in was Caesar. It would say Caesar of Tiberius son of Augustus, which meant that only Caesar could be slightly indicated as divine. But here we have a Gentile, an outsider who is witnessing this day, this horrible, horrendous thing take place to Jesus. And when he sees and hears Jesus die, he steps back and he's the first one to say, that man is the son of God. I wonder, what is it that he saw and heard that made him confess so boldly? Could it have been the sinless life of Jesus? So you need to know today that Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He didn't just have good intentions. No, he was sinless and spotless. This is what makes him a worthy candidate to be sacrificed on our part. Meaning, I could lay my life down for you today, but friend, it wouldn't do you any spiritual good. It might help you physically. It might get you a couple more years on this earth, but I cannot get you into eternity. I cannot get you into relationship with God. Why? Because I am full of sin. I am jacked up just like you are. There is only one, and his name is Jesus. And I just wonder if that centurion that day who watched Jesus hang up on that tree, one gospel tells us that Jesus was was hung in between two thieves. One thief was hurling insults at Jesus while the other thief stopped the man and said, no, Jesus is different from us. He didn't do anything wrong. Jesus takes the time on the cross to minister to that man because that man says, will you remember me? And Jesus says, on this day, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus has a convert on the cross. And I wonder if the centurion listening and watching all of a sudden felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This man doesn't deserve that cross. I deserve that cross. This man is taking my penalty. Maybe it wasn't just the fact that he noticed he was sinless. Maybe he noticed that he was selfless. There's another gospel that says that while Jesus was hanging from the cross, he shouted out, Father Forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Can you believe this? Jesus Christ being mocked, being persecuted. The Bible tells us that he was stripped naked, that they gambled at the foot of the cross over his robe. He was there on a cross, completely naked, a crown of thorns on his head as a mockery. Jesus, the King of the Jews. They sat there and they spit on him. They kicked him. They took a cat of nine tails and they lashed it on his back back. Jesus was beaten and bruised. He was hung high and stretched wide. And the entire time they were laughing at him and making fun of him. And Jesus's response is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. This centurion must have stepped back and say, whoa, I've been to a lot of executions. I've been up on this block many times. I've been in combat many different times. I've seen many people die, but I've never seen somebody die like, this. I've never seen seen somebody on their best behavior when everybody else is on their worst behavior. Can I encourage some people today that even when we're faithless, come on somebody, our God is faithful. That even when we're denying Jesus, he's still forgiving us. Is there anybody out there today who's thankful for a God who's selfless? Come on somebody, give him praise. Come on and give him praise all over the house. Thank you, Jesus. He serves us. He's, He's selfless, but it It wasn't just that he was sinless and selfless. I got to believe that day that he saw and then he heard that Jesus was sacrificial. You see, Jesus is unlike any other God in any other religion. You cannot find another religion that their God came and suffered and took their punishment to save them. And out of all the things he saw and heard that day, I bet that centurion as he was standing there, as he watched Jesus, one gospel tells us that Jesus hanging from that cross, he said, it is finished. Whew. What a powerful moment. When Jesus says, it is finished, I want you to understand what he meant. What he meant was, is that my mission and my objective is complete. See, I gotta believe that this in cheering when he was sitting there and he heard Jesus say, it is finished, he probably started to wonder, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me? that it's not an accident or a coincidence that you're up on this cross? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are, Are you telling me that you're on this cross on purpose for a purpose? What do you mean it is finished? see, Jesus was on that cross and he says, it is finished. What he was saying is, is that the system that it takes to get to God has now been destroyed and eradicated because he has fulfilled it. He didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. And what he is saying is no longer do you have to go through all these steps, but now you can simply come through me. Access is granted once and for all. It is finished. This man must have said, whoa, I have never seen a sacrifice like this, that this man is willfully laying down his life. Oh, friends, can I encourage you that the day that Jesus says it is finished, it is important that you do not mistake the fact that Jesus never said, I am finished, meaning just because Jesus finished his mission on earth doesn't mean that he's finished his work on you. Yes, friends, he is perfect, but friend, you are being perfected. Jesus is just getting started in your life. Anybody thankful today that if you're in church and it's your first time on a Sunday, I want to encourage you. Jesus is not finished. He's just getting started. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion. Somebody say he's getting started he's just getting started. He's getting started with me today. Jesus is just getting started with you. It is finished. He's not finished. He was forsaken that we might be forgiven. This is the best day ever. Jesus' worst day, oh friends, is our best day. Yet I think the thing that makes me so sad as I'm preaching today on this Easter Sunday is that so many of us in this room, we're hearing this, but we let it go in one ear and out the other. And we come into church, but we leave just the same. And what happens is, is the moment we walk out of these doors, we stop believing in the sacrifice. We stop believing in what Jesus did on our behalf. And you know what happens? Shame stops us from receiving. So many are watching today right now on YouTube. So many of you are in one of our locations and shame has you paralyzed. Shame is stifling your walk. You're here today and you're saying, but Rich, you don't know my story. Rich, you you don't get what I've done. You don't know my mistakes. And many of you today, you feel insecure and you feel weak and you feel like God is angry at you and God is mad at you and God doesn't love you. And it breaks my heart because I wanna remind you, there is no sin too big for God's grace. There's no sin too big for God's grace. And if you're breathing right now, God is still writing your story. If you have a pulse, God's plan can still prevail for you, but you have to believe in what he did. You have to receive it. You cannot achieve it. Too many of us, you're saying, but Rich, I know, but you don't, you don't know what I've done and you don't know my mistakes and you don't know my hardships and you don't know how I feel. And you're right don't know how you feel. But for a moment, let's put that to the side, how you feel. I wonder, have you ever thought about, I wonder how God feels? Have you ever um, attempted to serve someone or love someone, but they just wouldn't receive that which you have done for them? I'm thankful today that we're gathering in person. It is fun to be around people. It's fun to be in church. I'm grateful that people are gathering. This is so cool because one year ago on this Sunday, yo, it was a whole different story. It was quarantine. Come on, somebody in the chat, tell me what you did last Easter on, during quarantine. I wanna want know what you did. Did you watch Voo Church online? That's what I did. I was quarantined with my two sons, my wife, my brother-in-law, David D and our friend, Allison, who was helping us with the boys. We had four adults, two little kids in this tiny little house. And last Easter we got up and we put our clothes on and we watched church online. And I was thankful that we had a community and we had a way of technology, but I gotta be honest with you, I was missing this. I was missing being in God's presence with all sorts of people. I I missed it. And there was about a three week cycle there uh, in quarantine where I got into this rhythm of, of making breakfast now, I am not a cook, it's not one of my spiritual gifts, but just in quarantine, all sorts of stuff came out of me. And so for about three weeks, I was up an hour and a half early before everyone I'd be making stuff and I can't make a lot of things, but there's one thing I can make, um, it's called a breakfast sandwich. So I put, I put the bread in there, I put you know, the scrambled eggs, put a little bacon, little cheese on it and I make a good little sandwich, you know? It's so funny because I, 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 was, I was thinking that, I remember like one time I'd made all these breakfast sandwiches and everyone was kind of waking up and I'm like, hey guys you know, chef rich, you know, dad, uncle rich, you know, he made breakfast for everyone. Hey, here's your sandwich. Here's your sandwich. Here's your sandwich. I'll never forget. like, some people were like, nah, man, I- I'm good. I'm like, what you mean? You're good. What would, what you mean? You're good. No, no, no. I think you'll have a sandwich. I finally, for a moment, got a glimpse of what my mom must've felt for 18 years as I lived in her house, as she would make dinner and try to serve me. And I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, no, you're not good. You're going to eat the sandwich. I wonder how many times God must feel that way. God's going, no, no, I have forgiven you. I, I love you. I, I want you. Jesus was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to be so hard on yourself. You don't have to keep penalizing yourself. The consequence has been paid once and for all. You just have to receive that which he has done for you. But shame, it is a killer. Shame will stop us from receiving what took place the best day ever. See, I think the mistake that we make many times is that we think that Jesus simply took our sin. Oh, but the scripture is more powerful than that. Second Corinthians, Paul says in chapter five of verse 21, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. Did you see that? God says, uh, Jesus, who is sinless and perfect, is not just gonna take your sin, he's gonna be sin so that you might become righteous. I'm going to pass over my judgment because I'm gonna pour my judgment out On Jesus so that you might receive the reward of righteousness in fact the theological word here that we know is the word propitiation wherever you are right now just say that word say propitiation propitiation is the theological word that means that God poured out all of his wrath upon Jesus and when he did he was satisfied once and for all and because Jesus took all of God's wrath Now when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, once and for all, we now are justified in him. Meaning that that mistake that you made, that sin that's causing you shame, you don't have to walk in shame any longer because Jesus already paid the price. Oh, I'm not trying to make light out of your sin. And I'm not trying to make light out of your disobedience. That is not my intent or my heart. It's quite the contrary. I'm just trying to get you to see that God the Father forsook Jesus. You want to know how serious sin is? I'll tell you how serious sin is. It's so serious to God that he crushed Jesus in order to rescue you. And if Jesus was crushed, I don't think that you have to keep beating yourself up so much. Some of us, maybe in the pandemic, we got off track. Today's a good day to get back on track. Some of us, this past year, it's like we fell out of church or stopped watching online or fell out of community and we just feel so bad about ourselves and we're just going I can't come back into community I've made too many mistakes I'm too full of shame and shame is preventing you from receiving the forgiveness that God has for you right now God loves you I don't know what type of bad days you've been going through. I don't know how hard it has been, but I would say, don't give up. Keep leaning into God. I'm thinking about this moment that as Jesus died on Friday, you know how he got to that cross? There was a man named Judas and Judas betrayed him. And then Judas, as he betrayed him, he got so full of guilt and shame. Do you know what Judas did? Judas went out to a tree and hung himself. He made a bad decision and he tried to solve that temporary problem an eternal solution called suicide and he he lost his life i just gotta think to myself what if judas just would have waited till sunday (laughs) what if he just would have hung on a little longer he thought the story was over he thought the story was finished he thought that his mistake disqualified him he didn't realize that god's love and god's grace is so much bigger than one mistake and god says i forsook jesus in order to forgive you and if i already crushed jesus you don't have to be crushed you just need to repent and turn towards jesus and apply the blood of the lamb over your life and say pass over i don't want your judgment i want your reward this is what romans chapter 8 says i think this is good news what then shall we say in response to this who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants you. God says you're forgiven. God says you're loved. God says you just have to receive it. There's this law in America, it's called double jeopardy. And what it means is that you cannot be tried for the same crime twice. Meaning if you get charged with murder and you go to trial and you're found not guilty, you can't be brought back to trial in the future. Why? Because if you're constantly fearing potential prosecution, how many of you know that is no freedom at all? Therefore once you've been tried. You only are tried once. It's the same with the good news of Jesus. I want to preach to someone today. It's time that you stop putting yourself on trial. It's time that you stop prosecuting yourself over and over and over again. Oh friend, it's not that I'm not serious about sin, it's just that I'm so much more serious about Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ, he was declared guilty once and for all. And the moment he was declared guilty, that was the moment that when you put your trust in him, you are now declared innocent, innocent by his blood. We're not gonna be putting anyone else on trial because I'm in Christ Jesus. He was already charged for the crime and he already paid the price. He already paid the price. He was charged for the crime and he, and he paid the price. You know, people, throughout the years, ever since I've been in ministry, our church has one message, the message of Jesus. And throughout the years, People have criticized us and accused us and they say, you know, Rich and Voo Church, they just go so light on sin. They just go, they go light on it. They're not, they're not serious about sin. Uh-uh, I'm very serious about sin. Sin cost Jesus his life. Very serious about sin. I'm just much more serious about Jesus. Much more serious about the solution. If I get one chance to preach, I'm not going to focus all on the sin. I'm going to focus on the Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. The very fact that the eternal Father, my God in heaven, the very fact that the eternal Father in heaven forsook the eternal Son on earth, that I might be eternally forgiven, I'm sorry. Call me what you will, but I'm going to focus on that forgiveness. I'm going to focus on that solution. You know all about the disease. Let me tell you about the cure. You know all about the problem. Let me tell you about the answer. You know all about the challenge. Let me tell you about the name above every name. His name is Jesus and he was forsaken that you might be forgiven. He was canceled so that you could be called. He was deserted once and for all so that you could be destined that which looked like the worst day was leading to the best day ever. God the Father crushed the Son that you and I might find life and life more abundantly. See, I took my whole sermon to tell you about the cross of Jesus because until you can rest in the finality of the cross, whoo, you will never experience the reality of the resurrection see jesus died on a friday and it looked like it was all over it looked like the worst day the most horrible day the most awful day i don't know what type of a day you're having i don't know what type of pain you're facing i don't know what the challenges are that you brought in here i don't know how how afraid you are how insecure you might be depressed you might be anxious you might not know how you're going to make your next bill payment. You might not know how you're going to get your next food on your table. I don't know the pain and struggle you're going through, but I know this, that on Friday it looked like it was all over. But nobody knew that Sunday was coming. Nobody knew that the best day was going to be preceded by the worst day. See, this is important. If you have cancer and you die of cancer, How many problems do I have to solve to help you? If you have cancer and you die of cancer, how many problems do I have to solve? The answer would be, Rich, you have to solve two, you're right. I'd have to first resurrect you and then I'd have to cure the cancer. Can I preach it this way? That the cross of Jesus Christ, it cured the cancer of sin, it cured the disease of sin but the resurrection of Jesus, whoo, it brought you back to life that you might live in freedom and you might walk into a future that you could only dream of. See, in Mark 15 on Friday, Jesus died, but three days later, they came to the tomb. It was Mary Magdalene and it was the other Mary. And as they got there early in the morning, they wanted to anoint Jesus. But very early, that first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. they asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb but when they looked up they saw that the stone which was very large had been rolled away can i just say it this way the stone had been rolled away not so jesus could get out the stone had been rolled away so that you and i could get in and as they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed and he said don't be alarmed he said you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified and he has risen he's not here see the place where they laid him this day that they went they went to mourn and they went to cry But instead when they got there they discovered the greatest news they discovered that this was actually the best day ever that jesus christ once and for all he didn't just defeat sin but he resurrected and he brought a cure for all of humanity that if jesus got up out of that grave that you and i no matter our situation and no matter our circumstance that we too can get up out of the grave that we find ourselves in and today we can walk out of this room declaring this is the best day ever. You know, five years ago we launched our church. And I can remember in those early years, we used to look at each other on a random Monday or a random Tuesday and we had this little phrase. We'd say, this is the best day ever. This is the best day ever. We would say that as a confession, not because it felt like the best day ever. In fact, we found ourselves saying that even on days that it felt bad or when we got terrible news or awful news. We would just confess, this is the best day ever ever why because the moment that jesus got up out of that grave and resurrected what it did was is it changed all of our stories and all of our narratives it doesn't mean that we're not going to face bad days and tough times and difficult moments all it means is that now we can put all of those bad days and all of those horrible moments and all of those difficult times, and we can put them in light of the best day ever. And we can be reminded that no matter what we face here on earth, even if we face death, the good news, that the best day ever reminds us is that we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus for he is seated at the right hand of God and so no matter what you're going through today no matter how how, how big the hardship is if your faith is in Jesus Christ if your trust is in Jesus Christ you can walk around saying this is the best day ever and when someone says why you can say because Jesus is alive he's not there he's risen he's resurrected now no matter what I'm facing I can boldly confess i can make a faith proclamation this is the best day ever come on if you believe that today if you know it's the best day if you believe whom the sun sets free is free indeed why don't you jump up on your feet why don't you lift your hands towards heaven come on let's sing it out with everything we've got come on let's worship him come on come on come on God, we thank you for the blood. We thank you that your blood was shed. That all of our bad days now are rolled up in the best day. And on Calvary's Hill, Lord, you canceled the written code, the law that was written against us. And today, Lord, the disease of sin has been cured. But you haven't just gotten rid of the disease. You brought us back to life through your resurrection. Now we long for the day that we spend eternity with you. And so we stand in awe of you. And we recognize today, Lord, that in our struggle and in our pain, Lord, that now all of our pain has a purpose. That Lord, in you, we are more than conquerors. And I just pray for people right now, Lord, that are, that are challenged, that are going through pain, that are going through difficult moments. God, that you'd encourage them right now. You'd encourage them, Lord, awaken people's soul, just like that centurion right now, Lord. In fact, as you're, as you're watching today, Maybe just today as I'm preaching, as I'm opening my mouth, there's no way I could ever do the scriptures justice. But I wonder if you're just getting a glimpse, maybe you're seeing in the spiritual or hearing in the spiritual, that which the centurion witnessed, sinless, selfless, and sacrificial, sinless, selfless, and sacrificial. That's who our God is. He took our place. He didn't just die for you, he he died as you. God, his his wrath was poured out on Jesus. Jesus was forsaken so, so you could be forgiven. Jesus resurrected so that you could walk in life and life more abundantly. Because he lives today, you can keep on going. Because he lives today, all of your bad days, well, they pale in comparison to the best day ever. Today's the best day because he's inviting you into relationship. You don't have to jump up. You don't have to give money. You don't have to, you just gotta believe and confess and you shall be saved. Repent, turn. That Jesus, I, I want to put my faith in you. I want to put my trust in you. Today on this Easter Sunday, God is for you. I want to give you an opportunity right now just to pray a simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, today I surrender my life over to you. I believe you are who you said that you are. So forgive me once and for all. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your service. I want to follow you. I want to be like you. Shape me. Develop me. Disciple me. I want to become the person you've destined me to be. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said. Come on, can we put our hands together and thank God today for people that are praying that prayer and believing that prayer. And If you just prayed that prayer, I want to say congratulations. I would just ask for a moment, just text the word DECIDED. It's 786 355 3737 and our team wants to help you as you on this journey of faith we want to partner with you believing that god has great things in store for you and if you're local here in miami we're going to be gathering next week and really every week to come right here at our Somi location physically, 10 a.m., 12:15 p.m., 5 p.m., and 7:15 p.m. at night. If you're joining us online, well, our online times are remaining the same, but we're believing the best really is yet to come. Hey, listen, maybe you're not comfortable turning in or responding and letting us know who you are right now. We get it. It takes some time to uh, begin to trust a community. And so take your time. We're going to be right here every week doing what God's called us to do. But in the meantime, we would simply say, just keep coming back. There's something about being in church every week that makes a huge difference. We love you, church. God bless you. Happy Easter! Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from Voo and to connect with us, go to VooChurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.